and welcome to Evaluand, a podcast about the land of evaluation between you and me, your host, Dana Linnell Wanzer. This is the show where we interview people about any and all things evaluation related. Welcome to the next episode of Evalue Land. I'm talking with Helen Salmon at Sage about book publishing. I, I brought up on Twitter the other day, I was like, if I wrote a book, what would it be about? And I have, I still have no idea what I might write a book about, but one day I'd like to. And we have a number of folks in the evaluation field who are writing or interested in writing or have written a book on an evaluation or statistics or research topic. And so I thought it'd be great to talk to Helen about what that looks like. What does it look like to publish a book? How does that work? How do we get started? So Helen, thank you so much for coming and chatting with us today. Sure, you bet. So if you could start off telling us a little bit about yourself, like who you are, what you do, your background experience at Sage and book publishing Mm. and so on. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so Sage is an independent academic publisher and our book program is in the social and behavioral sciences. Uh, We do have a journal side of the business as well, and they do publishing in the STEM fields as well as the social sciences. And we're the publisher of the um, American Journal of, of Evaluation, the AEA Journal. Um, and I've worked at Sage for 22 years, just counting it up. Wow. Um, and I started off in our London office. And then uh, I have been in Thousand Oaks, California, the Sage office there since 2005. So my job title is um, executive editor, which is kind of like a, a player coach. I have my own responsibilities for signing and developing and publishing books in research methods, statistics, and evaluation. And I also manage another editor and her books and her list too. And so on on the book side, Sage is primarily a textbook publisher. And our audience, so our our main audience is is, um, is students in higher education. Now that uh, differs a little bit when it comes to our evaluation titles, um, because those are bought by practitioners and individuals as well as students. Uh, But we do want the books that we sign to have some potential on courses Um, and then if we get individual readers buying them as well for their own practice and that's great but um, we need uh, for a book to be sort of financially viable for us we need to get some student market use as well because then of course you're looking at adoptions of maybe 20 copies rather than just single purchases. So that's kind of the business that we're in. <laughs> oh, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. I, I, um, it's nice to know that Sage is more focused on on producing textbooks that that courses will adopt as opposed to yes. more standalone books. As a- yes. Yeah, that's just the kind of the way that the market has gone as well. I think people don't buy as many books as they did in the past. And and I think students certainly don't buy as many books. They try and get away with, with fewer books, which is fair enough. You know, books are expensive and the cost of education is expensive. Very true. I think I'm, I'm an outlier in the number of books I purchase and read. <laughs> I, uh, I've been counting how many books I read this year and I'm at 28 and it's only end of February and... Wow, that's that, a lot. That is impressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, if somebody were to have an idea for a book 
and let's just say something mm. that it sounds like would be something that's more uh, would be a good textbook. Um, what would their first mm. steps be? Like, how would they get started in perhaps publishing with Sage? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's definitely a good idea to um, uh, when you're approaching a publisher is to kind of send them um, their sort of uh, your idea really first to see if this is going to be a good fit for them. Um, and then they'll have you write a proposal, but but send, send that idea first, just to make sure that the project is a fit for, for their list. Uh, or maybe, you know, it could be tweaked a little bit before you, you know, you go ahead and write a proposal. And generally, I actually like to set up a time to chat as well, and to get a sense of what, what you have in mind. And so what, what does that proposal look like? At least at Sage, I, I've been, I was looking around a little bit of like different publishers, and it looks like every publisher has their own desires of what they're looking for in the proposal. But what does it look like at Sage? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure most publishers' proposals are a little bit different. Yeah. So, um, so really, there are a few parts of the proposal um, that we have, and, and we would send you, you know, we would send those proposal guidelines to help you put the proposal together. So really, uh, the proposal is your sort of rationale or pitch for the project. What does it do that sets, you know, what would your book do that would set it apart from other books that are already available on the topic? How is it meeting a gap in the market? How can it better meet um, students' needs in this course area? Um, how will it respond to issues of like diversity and inclusion in the course area? really, why is this kind of book needed? So for Sage as a textbook publisher, we would also ask you to list some of the pedagogical features that you might include in the book. Perhaps um, in evaluation, you might include case studies or interviews, interviews with evaluators. It's always really interesting for students to get a feel for what this looks like in the real world. The proposal also asks you to look at competing books and how your book might do something differently or hopefully better than what's already available. And we generally ask you to focus on three, maybe three of the closest books to what you're proposing for that sort of com competition analysis. And then probably the most important part of the proposal is the table of contents. And we ask you to write a very short paragraph about each chapter in the book, and then to provide the sort of main levels of headings underneath that to really kind of build up a sort of a detailed table of contents like you would see in the front of a book. Obviously, that your book isn't written at this point, but um, you know, just to go into as much detail as you can. And this is a really good exercise for you to do because that's really becomes your plan for the book. Once you've really mapped out that table of contents, that's your, your writing plan. You know where you're going. It's not like, you know, you've no idea what's in chapter eight. You, you've got chapter eight down and everything is, is there. Now, obviously things will change as you get into the writing process. And then the uh, proposal guidelines also ask you to estimate the length of your book. So is this like a core textbook or is it maybe a more supplementary book that's likely to be shorter? And then finally, really, it's worth thinking about the audience for your proposal. 
And really that's twofold. You're writing for the reviewers of your proposal and at SAGE, these are instructors who are teaching the course for which it's designed. So we will send your proposal out to people to comment on. Um, and they'll provide feedback on the content. Um, maybe they'll say that there's a topic missing that they cover in their course, or there's some chapters that you've included that they don't cover. And we also ask them to give a sort of a bottom line sort of question, you know, that if you sort of are able to execute on the plan of this proposal, is this a book that they would be interested in and would consider using with their students? So we're obviously looking for lots of positive answers here. But generally, you know, we do the work up front on the proposal. And so we're pretty hopeful that when we send it out, we're going to have some, some good feedback. And then really the second sort of audience for your proposal is the publisher itself. So um, folks across editorial and sales and marketing will read the proposal and alongside the reviewer feedback, the editor will then present that proposal and the feedback for approval to offer you a contract for the book. So those folks are going to want to look at the proposal and just think, is this adding something to our list? Is this a book that we need? Is it a book that we don't have right now? So, yeah. So that's really what goes in, into the proposal stage. Yeah. It sounds like there might be then different levels of rejection that might occur throughout this. Like it could be at the idea generations, like, I don't think that idea is going to pan out. We're going to kind of not go forward with that. But it sounds like within the proposal mm. process, um, it could be kind of, I'm guessing you might say like, go revise this before you send it out for review. Because um, right. you really want to make yes. sure the reviewers get, you know, a good quality proposal. Exactly. So that would be a revision process. But then with the reviewers, they could kind of reject it. The editor could re or the editorial board could reject it. The um, Would the marketing people just be like, we can't do anything with this? I'm, I'm guessing not, but. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so, yeah, to go to the beginning of what you asked, um, yeah, at the idea stage, it, it may not go anywhere or we can have a conversation and I can say, you know, that that idea is nice, but it's pretty narrow. And, you know, maybe you could broaden it out a little bit more um, in one way or another. Um, so that can be a way where you come up with an idea, but maybe we think the market size is a little bit small. But if we can can broaden it, maybe we can get a, a larger potential audience for it. And then, yes, there's a bit of back and forth on the proposal. Um, and I mean, this is a, a, like a two-way process as well. It's kind of you as the author thinking, can I work with this editor, with this publisher? And for me, it's like, is this person somebody who will take some kind of advice and feedback from the publisher? Because you really do need to be able to do that, and especially then from reviewers. So when we get the reviewer feedback, you know, are you somebody who's willing to take that on board or are you just going to kind of reject it out of hand? So, you know, so working on the proposal together, I get start to get the sense of is this somebody who will take some some kind of suggestions and feedback so, yeah, we try and get that, you know, proposal into good shape and plenty of detail in that table of contents. So when I do send things out for review, generally they, they, they do well. Just very occasionally I take a bit of a, a punt on something and I think maybe just the market size is not quite big enough and mm. this project is, is just not um, 
not providing anything new. And then sometimes you do get that back from reviewers, but that's like once a year. And sometimes I'm almost doing that just to <laughs> convince the author that this, you know, she really needs to do something else on this, uh, you know, that makes sense. With this project. But generally, once we send it out for review, we're, we're, we're expecting some pretty good feedback. And then, then, um, so then, you know, it, it's my colleagues don't reject it. The the meeting, you know, once you send something to a, to a publishing meeting for approval, you're pretty sure that it's going to get approved. So they might sort of look at them, maybe the numbers that you're, I have to take a P&L for the project to that meeting as well. So their folks in marketing are looking at it and saying, oh, well, she says we can sell this number of copies. I'm not so sure that the market is quite as big as she thinks it is. So there's a little bit of wrangling that goes back and forth there on how many projected sales we might have, what the price should be, whether we should do it in two color or four color or black and white, you know, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So we're really kind of working a little bit on the on fleshing out what this book looks like at that meeting yeah <laughs> interesting I thought I thought it was interesting you mentioned kind of the this person the people factor right like that you it sounds like you get a sense of whether people are going to be open to that feedback and whether like this is something that's worthwhile going down because like this process is it's a long process to write a book like how often how long does it typically yeah. take somebody from like start to finish yeah, I mean, it could be a couple of years. Exactly. Yeah. You know, if you're talking about a textbook that might have 12 or 14, 15 chapters. Yeah, it's a it's a good, a good process. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering also, given that kind of people factor, do you ever like reach out to folks and kind of suggest that they write a book? Yeah, I mean, I do that quite a lot. And probably more books come to me from that route than, huh. than just uh, folks sending me stuff, as we say, sort of over the transom stuff that I wasn't expecting to get. I mean, that's great, too, when something good ends up in your inbox in the morning. But um, a lot of uh, books do come about um, from more sort of proactive outreach. So in kind of pre-COVID times, I traveled to campuses, um, you know, throughout the country, visiting people who were teaching courses where I was looking for books. Um, I would also go to conferences and so sit in on sessions and think, you know, and, and, and books have come out of that as well, where I've seen someone present and think like they could do a really good job um, of putting a book together. So yeah. So certainly as an acquisitions editor, you can't just sit back and wait for people to come to you. You have to be a bit more proactive in seeking out new projects too. Yeah, that's interesting. And then kind of the flip side, do you ever get like ideas come to you that you're like, this is fabulous, but this not a good fit for us here at Sage? And then do you recommend other publishers? Yes. Yes, I do. Exactly that. Yeah. So as I say, because we are now pretty textbook focused, um, then you know you'll have something which is which is less less in that direction, um, and so yeah, you'll find you can make suggestions of of other publishers they could go to. Yeah, and then I don't know if you can speak much to this, but I know some people have opted to do more self publishing lately. Do you have any like thoughts mm. on that or recommendations for you know thinking about whether or not to go that route? Yeah, I mean I don't. As I work for a publisher, I don't right. know an awful lot about self-publishing. <laughs> um, certainly, you might have more 
certain control over your project or um, you would certainly uh, earn a higher percentage of royalties or whatever of income the revenue would be coming to you after your direct expenses but I guess you'd want to think about how you could do your own sort of marketing and distribution how would you get that that book out there and get it known so that would certainly be something to to think about if you wanted to go down that route yeah that's a good point because Sage does a lot in terms of making sure that the books are marketed. I've, I've attended multiple webinars from authors of, of recently published books and they're always so great. And I, it's nice to hear from the authors, but I, I feel like I get to know those new books pretty well, given the marketing that occurs. Oh, that's great. That's good to know. Yeah. I mean, that was something I was going to suggest for, um, you know, when you're looking around for a, for a publisher, you'll want to, yeah, do exactly that. Um, take a look at who publishes similar books, um, look on your own bookshelf and see who the publishers are. And certainly don't be put off um, if a publisher has uh, other books on the same topic, you're not directly competing with them. And certainly in textbook publishing, our sales team are more likely to uh, make a, a call on instructors like teaching introduction to evaluation if they have two or three books in there, we call it their book bag that they have to offer, because chances are one of those might be a good fit. Mm, um, good so point. it's always good for them to feel that they have, you know, um, more books to offer on the same topic. So yeah, and just get in contact with the acquisitions editor. We talked a little bit about, you know, building that kind of, you know, work, good working relationship, just get a sense for whether they feel they seem knowledgeable about the market. Can you see yourself working with them? And yeah, and just that what you were saying, just getting a sense for the type of marketing that your book would get. So yeah, I mean, that's great that you have some good feedback about Sage. That's really nice to hear. Well, I, I, I feel like Sage has been one of the first big publishers of evaluation works. I remember, I think, reading one of, I believe it was Michael Quinn Patton's books talking about how uh, Sage was one of, I think, the basically the publisher of his first book and just kind of kept publishing his books, right? Yes, that's right. And I think our, our founder, um, who's still the chair of our board, um, Sarah Miller-McCune, worked with him on that first book. And it really sort of... the the discipline, if it's a discipline evaluation, <laughs> um, was really just in its very early stages of really being kind of, you know, identified as, as, a, as a field. And um, so, yeah, so she was very interested in that right from the very beginning. So it's nice that we are still, you know, I hope I like to think we're the sort of primary publisher in evaluation. That's the, get, the sense that I get as well. <laughs> So we've talked about that early process for the book, like the book proposal, book writing process. We've talked about the idea formation, the book proposal. So what happens once Sage has decided, let's go forward with this book, reviews were positive, editorial editors are all happy with it, contract is signed, what's next? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, we didn't talk in the proposal stage about a sample chapter. We we often don't require that. I think if the table mm. of contents is is pretty good, um, then we don't necessarily require a sample chapter. So probably the first thing that I would do then is have you write a a, a first chapter of the book, and we we use that as. Um, as sort of trying to develop a template almost, if you like, as what, what's this chapter going to look like? What are the various elements that are going to go into it? What are these sort of pedagogical features and what's the photo program or, or whatever else that we might have in there? And so once we, we've kind of looked at that and we, we think that looks good, then I generally um, review books in batches of maybe about three chapters at a time. And that's really helpful because it gives the author feedback, not just on the content of that chapter, but also their writing style. You know, uh, is it pitched at the right level? Is it too high? Is it too low? Is there enough, um, as I say, kind of features that break up the text or is it very text heavy? So they, those, those um, chapter reviews, as I say, we, we like to do them in batches. And then I discuss the feedback from the reviewers with the author. And we say, okay, this is some really good feedback that we can take on board for the next batch of chapters that you're writing. But we generally don't go back and actually revise those three chapters at that point. We just plow on through the process, um, taking on board feedback that we can apply to future chapters. And then once we've reviewed all of those draft chapters, then the author goes back and sort of starts at the beginning and revises with the reviews in mind. So sometimes that can take a few months or just depends on the level of kind of revisions that need to be done. We may find that um, whenever we review a batch of chapters, uh, we also send the full table of contents. So sometimes that has little tweaks as we go along as well. And reviewers say this this section would be much better in, in another chapter or even this chapter could come earlier in the book. So, yeah. And we're always working backwards, um, particularly in textbook publishing. There are good times of year to publish books. Mm. Um, generally, that's like um, January, February is a really good time because we can get copies out for instructors to look at, to think about using in their classes in the fall. And then again, August, September is similar similarly good time to publish for sort of January classes. So when we're looking at a schedule for a book, we're building in like a six-month production schedule. So once you deliver that final manuscript to us, um, it takes us about six months to produce that book. And so we're working, always kind of working backwards from an ideal publication date when we're sort of setting that schedule. And we try and be kind of sort of realistic, really, about sort of deadlines, because um, authors always think they can get things done much more quickly than they can in reality. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> because this isn't their full-time job. They're either a faculty member with teaching and research responsibilities, or maybe they're a pre professional with a nine-to-five job or a business to run and, you know, occasionally... I come across an author who's lucky enough to have a sabbatical right. and then that book moves along much more quickly. Um, but generally writing is going to be done outside of your other responsibilities. Um, 
So a good editor will work with you to create a schedule that's kind of realistic and then make changes along the way when kind of life intervenes. So for first-time authors interested in publishing a book, what kind of tips would you provide for them? Yeah, I mean, I think... um, I think being, as as I say, being realistic about that um, time frame is is a good one. Um, you'll want, obviously, to pick something that you're really passionate about, because if you're going to spend a couple of years on this project, if it's a big book, then um, you want to, you know, you want that to be something that you're really passionate about and that's where your heart is and you really oftentimes books particularly textbooks come about because um, you know I'll visit somebody on campus and they'll say well I'm actually using this book and I've never really found the right book for this this course I'm teaching and I want to teach it this way and I can't quite find that book so so um, they will, you know, they will have developed, uh, you know, a whole series of PowerPoint slides and handouts and things. And so really, you know, oftentimes a book comes about like that. So, you know, find a topic that you really do want to spend that time on. And um, yeah, and I think just be willing to take kind of feedback from from reviewers um, not everything will be useful and you and your editor will agree which which bits of the feedback you can take on board and which are just kind of out of scope of the book. So on the flip side, are there any like common mistakes that you see folks making throughout the book proposal process? Yeah, I was trying to think of that. I couldn't really think of anything so much on that question. So we Perhaps might have that's to a good thing. this bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's maybe indicative of having a good editorial staff that helps people along and you don't get into a, a, a position where a mistake could be, you know, very problematic for moving forward. So that's good. In in thinking of like, if somebody like, okay, we'll put me on the chopping block here, right? Like, like I'd love to write a book someday. <laughs> um, I have no idea what I'd want to write it about mm-hmm. and I have no intention to do it anytime soon. But I'm wondering, have you thought about like any... Mm-hmm like where the gaps are in terms of the evaluation books that are out there? Like what kind of topics might you be looking for right now if folks are ready to start writing a book but not entirely sure what to write about? Yes. I mean, that's um, that's interesting. And sometimes, as I, as I said earlier, folks find those gaps themselves and it's less easy for me to identify. It comes out of their teaching and they right. um, they're not, finding a book that is working quite well or it's maybe too you know it's an older book they've been using that seems very top down and they want their you know a much more bottom up uh, kind of approach we're also certainly seeing instructors and students are certainly demanding much more attention to diversity and inclusion and equity in textbooks all across the board and obviously cultural competency can continues to be an important topic in evaluation so those are those are some kind of key topic areas I think yeah speaking of that um one of one of your recent books I have it here because I came up in my last meeting actually the uh, evaluation in today's uh-huh. world by Veronica Thomas and Patricia Campbell yes. I think fits that bill really nicely I was talking to a colleague of mine. We both teach um, a variety of evaluation courses. And I think both of us this year decided to ditch our textbooks. Um, I was using a really old version of an old textbook um, that was handed to me when I started Mm -hmm. here. 
But I think we were kind of like, none of these really fit the bill, particularly in today's age of mm. like really attending to those issues well and not a standalone chapter, but integration yes. across topics, which I just, I love this book. I have a feeling, I'm not entirely sure yet, but I have a feeling I might adopt that one for my, my course because it does such a good job of integrating it across all of these topics and evaluation. Oh, that's very good to hear. Yes, we're we're really excited excited about that book. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I love yeah. it. I I've already read it, um, or at least skimmed it pretty well. Um, I really enjoyed it. So I appreciate yeah. you helping get that through the books. Uh, you know, through the the book publishing process. And then thank you. So to to wrap up, I mean, I've, I guess I've already brought up one of the the recent books that you've published. Uh, I think the other one mm. is. Um, oh, I was just again talking to somebody about it. Um, conducting a, an evaluation dissertation or something like that um are there other evaluation books and yeah. you can talk about that one too that are or upcoming books that you want to share yeah thank you um yeah that's an, a great one that's um walser and trevison completing your evaluation dissertation thesis or culminating project so yeah this really hit a, a a kind of gap in the market there are a number of dissertation guides there are you know if you go on to amazon and search you know how to do a dissertation there are so many of of those books but there was really nothing for evaluation where sometimes that culminating project may not be the dissertation, it may be an evaluation, for example. Um, and so they, you know, they, they've done just a, a really super job of like orienting that process in a, in a much more kind of practical manner for evaluation students. So we're kind of excited about that. And then you mentioned, of course, Veronica Thomas and Patricia Campbell's evaluation in today's world. We, did, uh, we published another book around the same time as the Thomas and Campbell by, edited by Ryan Kilmer and James Cook, who are at UNC Charlotte, and um, they're community psychologists. So their book is called The Practice of Evaluation. It's actually an edited book. We don't do a lot of edited books these days. I could talk about that in a minute if you're interested, but yeah. Um, uh, so their book is about partnership approaches to community change is their subtitle. So it's all about, you know, how you could teach evaluation and have students actually do work in their communities to, you know, with with those local community organizations. So, yeah, so that one we're we're excited about as well. And then another one just last year was program evaluation, embedding evaluation into program design and development by Sue Giancola. And that one really does, as the sort of title suggests, make evaluation just part of that overall um, program design and development. And it's a really nice um, kind of step-by-step -step book and step-by-step -step approach. Nice. Yeah, I got I brought that uh, practice and evaluation book a while ago. I haven't read it yet, but your your little uh, uh -huh. summary of it sounds really interesting because that's the type of course that I teach. I'm curious if that right. could integrate well with that course. Mm, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you brought up edited books um, that you don't do yeah. it very often, but uh, what are some of the unique factors that go into producing an edited book? Yeah. So um, edited books. Um, have a, a less likely to get adopted we find on courses they're much more often used as more of a reference text mm. and we used to do a lot more of them and just because of the economics of publishing and the fact that people require 
kind of fewer books on their courses now. We just were not selling enough of these more sort of reference books than, than we had in the past. The uh, But we do still have, do a few edited textbooks where we can really get the authors to, to have, you know, each chapter follow um, you know, a template that the author will will give to each of the chapter authors to say you're going to address this, maybe you're going to use a case study, and then you're going to show what you learn from it, rather than just a kind of like loose collection of, 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 right. of papers in a way. So, um, and then the advantage, I guess, of having an edited book, and especially something like the Kilmer and Cook one, is that you can bring in expertise from so many different areas. Um, so, um, so that, that would be the, the reason why you would do an edited book if, if, um, if, if the authors themselves just did not have expertise in all these areas. So, I mean, they, they brought in, you know, topics that were just way outside of their areas of expertise. They have like network analysis, um, empowerment evaluation, um, evaluation capacity building, Yes, just just lots of kind of good examples from from people doing work that's that's outside of the scope of what the editors do. Was there anything else about book publishing that we forgot to cover that's important? I'm not thinking so. <laughs> I'm wondering what is your favorite part about the book publishing process? Gosh, that's an interesting question. Um, I mean, I, I think all of it. That sounds like I'm. That sounds like a cop out, but um, you know, in in normal times, I love going to conferences and meeting people. I love going on campus and sometimes just chance conversations. You um, you maybe didn't even try and email somebody, but you walk down the hallway and you knock on a door and you have a great conversation with somebody that you know maybe not then, but maybe a year later turns into a book proposal. Um, and then just being able to kind of see that through and work with with the authors. Sometimes things change quite a lot. I think you were you were had, uh, were interested in a book we did by Janine Harris on statistics for art using oh, R. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's such a great book. And it started off, she taught her class from a sort of a gamified approach. And so this was what she was going to bring in the book. And in fact, that just is still there a little bit, but it it kind of just faded into the background. And this sort of use of real world data and really interesting examples. And because it's um, about R and there's the R ladies group, um, she came up with these characters who were the R team. And they use R to go out and solve all these tricky problems in the world using these really interesting data sets. And and so that just evolved. And so working with an author like that, who's not kind of sort of so stuck with what that plan was at the beginning and just taking, you know, feedback from reviewers and then just letting the book develop and other themes come come to to the fore so when you describe that book to somebody at the very beginning and then you describe it as it is when you publish it is um you know it it often changes and just yeah just being able to hold that physical book in your hand at the end or that ebook online and you know just know that 
the work that's gone into that throughout the the process is is very satisfying oh i bet it sounds so rewarding to get that uh, especially like the proof copy like you know like the first yeah. bound version to see like to review it make sure it's all perfect and stuff like I I've seen like the the unboxing videos from folks that are just so excited to finally have it in their hands. It sounds like a yeah. very rewarding experience. <laughs> Indeed. Well, awesome. If anybody's interested in getting in contact with you, maybe because they're interested in publishing a book themselves, um, how might they best reach you? Yeah, probably by email is probably easiest. And my email address is helen.salmon, S-A-L-M-O-N, at sagepub.com. Perfect. And that will all be in the show notes along with other things that we mentioned today. Cool. So Helen, thank you so much. It was really, it was such a pleasure to be able to talk to you and talk about the book publishing process. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thanks so much for the opportunity. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please visit the podcast website at evalueland.fireside.fm where you can subscribe to get notified of new episodes and contact us with your questions, comments, or suggestions. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, this has been Evaluland. Land.